0: Welcome back, listeners. My name is Jackson Vickery, and I am the host and producer of the JV Club podcast. On this episode, we welcome the costume designer of David Fincher's The Killer, Kate Adams. some of your influences growing up that, I mean, led you to sort of where you are today?
1: So uh what led me to this? Let's see. Well, um, I think growing up, I, you know, I grew up in Maryland. I played a lot of sports growing up. I also like rode horses and um I kind of, I, I was out on the water, like wakeboarding and jet skiing. So I have like a big background of Um, Just kind of doing different things, but uh, this doesn't really matter. But getting to this point with David's movie, I actually... Mindhunter was shooting in Pittsburgh, uh, Mindhunter season one. Um, I came in to replace the first assistant designer. She had to leave to go design her own show. And um, a friend of mine recommended me to Jen Starzik, who was the designer of Mindhunter. Um, and I got an interview with Jen and, and my friend had said kind of like, if you want to get out of network TV, like, you know, cause I was just doing a lot of network TV and assisting. Um, then you know, you need to take this interview. And so I so then I took the interview, you know. I I finished the season with Jen and finished the whole thing. And then I went on back to Hawaii to design Hawaii 50, like season eight, because I had been a customer like from the beginning on that show. So long story short, I worked with Jen. I learned so much about David's style of work and like what he likes and what he doesn't like, and like how prepared you need to be and how on top of it you have to be and like you know, there's no room for error (laughs) and you have to be so prepared, you know, and you have to be prepared weeks in advance. Like he doesn't want anything to surprise him. So you are sending photos like two weeks before, you know, someone works so that there's plenty of time for changes. There's plenty of time for alterations, which is pretty unheard of on a TV show, but Mindhunter was, you know, period. And so big. And I think, you know, they had figured it out with the budget to be able to do that. So um when this project came around, Gigi Williams, the makeup artist, who also did Mank and she did both seasons of Mindhunter, um, said submitted my name for to David's crew to Sion, his producer, and said, Oh, what you know, what about Kate? And um, because I had worked with them before, you know, I think they kind of remembered me and then I think maybe Jen put in a good word, but needless to say, like Trish Somerville wasn't available, who who usually works for David. Um, Jen wasn't available. She was designing the staircase. So, you know, those are two of like my biggest role models. I haven't worked with Trish, but I, you know, obviously like love her work down to like dirty videos of Christina Aguilera. Um, (laughs) And then work. (laughs) Yeah, she did that, which is insane. Um, And, and Jen was, I mean, the first time I went to set on Mindhunter, I think I cried because I'd never really done like any like made to order, you know, in television, in contemporary, you're mostly just shopping everything, you don't get to make that much. So um, I learned so much from Jen. But yeah, and so my name got thrown into the hat. And then I got an interview and I got to prep for the interview for about a week. And when I went to the interview, I'm thinking like, I'm never going to get this job. This is so crazy. Um, but I'm just going to go because who else gets time with David Venture for an hour of their life alone? No one. <laughs> so, you know, like that's kind of not usually going to happen um, with the below the line crew. So Yeah. So I went to the interview with David and we had a long talk and I asked him a bunch of questions after he told me about the script. And um, yeah. And then about a week later, I got the call that I got the job. So Mm. yeah, that's what led me to that. (laughs) So it's pretty crazy. It's, um, you know, I've worked really hard and, and I feel like just being prepared with David, like that's what he wants. He wants everybody to work their best. It's like, like I said, you know, you've, you gotta be on it and like willing. And he's, and they are very great at promoting from within. If you look at their list of crew, like Trish started with Michael Kaplan who worked with David on seven and fight club, I believe. So, you know, then Trish got promoted to being to working with him on, I think girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, -hmm. And then Jen worked with under Trish on videosyncrasy, which never came out. And then Jen got Mindhunter via Trish. So, you know, they're really about like promoting people from within. They have a really good like family. You know, Eric was a gaffer and now he's their cinematographer and just won an Oscar a few years ago. So um, I'm like really fortunate to have come up with them
0: yeah no i i love it it's almost like playing six degrees of separation i yeah. i love um like how something and just basic network cable um uh, leads you all the way to designing a david fincher movie so I, I i i love that like absolutely love the the process of that all um but i'm curious you said you had a week of preparation. And I'm just curious, what did that look like for you?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, the week of preparation was just reading the script, you know, over and over again. Um, I made some mood boards via Canva or Keynote, one of those, um, and kind of was trying to figure out exactly what the killer was going to look like. And it's funny because I actually pulled images of assassins. Um, other assassins and put them on my mood board. And I actually did, I think I did a few of the killer and then some of him in the Dominican and, or the, you know, the island where he's supposed to live. And then I did, I think the dark haired woman who we see at the beginning. Um, and, you know, David looked at my mood boards and I, and um, he had, was like, no, no. <laughs> like, no, this isn't it. This isn't it. I want him to be. And I don't believe that in the script at the beginning, it said anything about a German tourist, So I didn't have those notes. Um, and then that was just something that came from him in one of the very initial meetings about he really wanted him to look dorky. He really wanted him to have like dad vibes. He wanted people we really started city by city so we really focused on his look for Paris at the beginning and figuring out what that was and the layers because it was going to be cold and figuring out the colors Um, and that was where we kind of started you know he had mentioned a bucket hat he had mentioned a Hawaiian shirt um, and we kind of started from there and then after that initial couple meetings. Um, and then I put together like lots of mood boards. So there was like, there was pictures of, um, Liam Gallagher. Cause he always wears bucket hats and these like oversized windbreakers. Um, there were sketches of German tourists that I just found online that are funny. Like one of them was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, a bucket hat, like cargo shorts. Um, and I just went through like Shot Deck and Pinterest and um Film Grab and was just, you know, I found some French artists or European like rappers, like uh, like yeah. Caucasian guys who wear like bucket hats and windbreakers. Um, that was another. So I so I really just put together a lot of um, a lot of different like characters, also like Leo in Blood Diamond. He's got that like linen and cottony like wrinkled shirt on most of the time and um he looks kind of sweaty and lived in and if you watch any of David's movies and and also knowing this from Mindhunter like he wants everything to look lived in the clothes are not the huge part of the story right so like everything should just look normal it shouldn't ever look like the clothes are taking away from the story um Yeah, so we kind of started there. And then I had my French team go out and take a lot of photos of people on the streets when they started in like September or late September, early October. Um, And that also helped us with figuring out his color palette because I had originally thought, oh, maybe he could be in like a brown jacket. I was finding a lot of brown in stores at the time. That was kind of like the big look for autumn, winter 2021. Um, And so I was finding like a lot of like, or like honey colors. I knew David didn't want to do black because it was going to be too menacing. Um, I knew we didn't want to do Navy. It was going to be too dark. So once I you know had sent him some photos of what everyone was wearing in Paris and like maybe some options of like a brown jacket um he came back saying put him in all light colors for paris so you know make him stand out so and then we just moved forward after that um yeah and that's how he became in the like parisian stone color tones like for the beginning of the movie um remember he said like lightweight layers in Paris Um and then like the Dominican he can it can be like not a lot of layers and then when we moved to like New Orleans and Florida a little bit more layers and then Chicago lots of layers like in dark colors so mm. yeah that's how we came up with that so we went through like every bucket hat in North America Um we tried to make a few bucket hats he had originally wanted The bucket hat to be kind of like an umbrella so that it was waterproof or water resistant in case it started raining he didn't have to have an umbrella his hat could be his shield but most of the um nylon or like waterproof or water resistant bucket hats that were already made were dark colors so they were already like in blacks or navies um and so we made a few but um it just didn't really work. This one that was found from an army surplus store in, in Venice just kind of killed it. Like once we we figured that one out, we just knew that that was it.
0: Mm, I love that. I, I love that. <laughs> but uh, talk to me about um, Tilda Swinton's character and getting getting to the crux of of her.
1: Well, she's a she's a dream, right? I mean, who doesn't want to dress Tilda Swinton? especially if you're into fashion or you're a costume designer um so I yeah I mean she was always on my radar you know everything moved really fast so we were kind of just like taking city by city um as we were shooting and like prepping the next spot so um we actually shot a little bit in LA at the end more like um poor man's process, but, um, the Chicago was our last like official stop really. And so that was going to be with Tilda. And I knew I didn't have a lot of time with her. I think she flew in like a week before we started shooting or a week and a half. Um, so I just started doing a lot of research. David had sent some, uh, correspondence between he and Tilda kind of about like what kind of watch she would wear what her house looks like what this character is and it was under my impression that she lived in like a beautiful like mid-century modern home but she was like very under the radar but she has money right from her occupation so she has like a vintage watch uh that's you know twenty thousand plus dollars and um So David had sent kind of like that correspondence. He definitely wanted something that was in a lighter tone, similar to Fastbender in Paris, um, like an ecru. And all of the really light tones can't have like a touch of pink in them. So if you look at some khakis, like on the color wheel, like it will also like lead to pink, same with green, Mm. but he doesn't like pink. So it has to really be like an, off-white, ecru, eggshell, cement, like that was, you know, the tone. And so he had sent an email about wanting her, you know, in this wool, beautiful dress um, to kind of, uh, to sway and for it to have some feel. Um, And so I knew that, just from doing tons of research online and online shopping, and <laughs> that we should probably make something. Um, but we did also hit all of the stores in Chicago, like every single designer store, like Armani, Ralph Lauren, um, Max Mara. And he I knew that he wanted to make sure that she was warm because it was gonna be really cold since we were shooting at night um in Chicago in February, I believe it was. Um, so there's a movie with Ralph Fiennes with Tilda called A Bigger Splash. Have you yeah. ever seen it?
0: I love that. I actually just watched it. Um, I think maybe a couple months ago. But yeah, oh, no, I I, I oh. love that.
1: Yeah. Um. So when I was looking, um, for uh, when I while I was looking for reference photos of like what looked good on Tilda's shape because she dresses so androgynous in real life and so I knew that that's not what he wanted I um I watched that movie and I was like wow the costumes are really pretty they're really simple you know she wears a lot of like shirt dresses or oversized button front shirts um and then I looked up to see who the costume designer was and it was Raph Simmons And Ralph Simmons designs for Dior, I'm pretty sure, or did at the time, so made all of her Tilda's clothes. So I honestly, like, just took that silhouette of, like, I knew that she looked good with a collar. I knew she looked good with some kind of wrap going on, like, she has such a beautiful long neck. Um, And I found a dress online that we knocked off, and we found a beautiful, like, ecru-colored wool crepe. And I had my cutter fitter put it together and make a matching belt. And so we had that in our backpack pocket always. And then I had gone to Yves Saint-Laurent and I had seen a shirt, a women's shirt that had cufflinks, like really beautiful cufflinks. It was a brown shirt with gold cufflinks. And I was like, oh, that would be cool if she had cufflinks. Like she's, you know, she's kind of, she's a boss. Like. She's yeah. a assassin that like, no one really knows what she does. She has her own bottle at her favorite restaurant, you know? So, um, she's very like undercover mysterious. Like what does this w- woman do? But we know that she has money. So going forward, we sourced like all the shopping that we could in, um, Chicago. We knew that it had to be like muted tones, like very tonal. Like David doesn't like a lot of, if he watches movies, there's hardly any patterns, anything bright. Um, so I knew how had to be really simple, but beautiful. So Tilda comes, she comes into the fitting. She and David talk for a little bit and then David sits outside the room and she says, she comes in and then she takes off her coat and she says, okay, so, you know, what's going on here or something along those lines. And I said, well, would you like to look at the racks of clothes? Like, I mean, it's Tilda Swinton, right? Like, you know, you're like, do you want to look first? Like, how would you like to do this? And she said, no, I want, I want to wear what you want me to wear. And I said, okay, well, I made a dress for you. So I would love for you to try the dress on. And she tried it on and it was a like a unicorn costume moment. You know, like the dress fit. It looked beautiful. Obviously there were some alterations that needed to be done. She loved it. We put on some little booties because we wanted to make sure she'd be able to walk if it was like snowing or in the cold, but we also wanted her to have a little heel we had found this beautiful like Max Mara coat that matched the dress perfectly. And so it looks like she's very um, like uh, calm because she's just had a massage, right? Because the masseuse comes into her house and then leaves. So that's what the guy was doing who comes to her house. So, you know, she, then she's just taking herself out for dinner. um, Yeah. And it was almost, it's like a wrap coat. So it was really beautiful. And then we invited David into the room and he was like, looked her up and down and said, great. And And then we talked about, you know, a scarf. We talked about a pocketbook. We had all options. You know, we took some photos. He said, let's shoot it. We took some photos. And, and then um, Tilda started to undress and get back into her clothes and I said, well, I kind of whispered because David was right outside the room. And I said, do you think we need to give him another option? And she said, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, I should take a beat. And then I I went out of the room and I said to David, uh, do you want any more options? And he said, no. And And then that was it. So that was probably like one of the best moments <laughs> of the film for me that I was able to kind of you know, knock going wood, like nail that, um, that, and, and when Tilda left, she said something like, great job, you know, or like, well done in her British accent. And so that was pretty phenomenal and un, like an unreal experience for me and my assistant designer and our costume crew. So yeah, so that was right. Tilda. I think you really just have to research, like what looks good on her figure.
0: Mm. And
1: I put in that work. So uh was really really pleased with how it came out unfortunately you don't really see m- m- much of the dress in the movie but that's okay
0: I know I, it mean, was-
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean just to get a good job or anything from Tilda this I think I would have passed out right there on the floor so um no I mean kudos and I mean that's an amazing story to to get to that and also just the reference to a bigger splash because I I do love that movie as well yeah
1: it's a good movie
0: um But in regards to, I mean, the challenge for you, like what was, I mean, obviously there's thousands of challenges that probably came across this movie, but I mean, what was the biggest one for you and the biggest hurdle to sort of jump over, I guess you could say?
1: The biggest challenge was really just uh, time and moving to different places. So we had different crews, you know, in, so many places at once when we started the movie there was a hurricane in new orleans where we were supposed to prep so we prepped in los angeles but we had a los angeles crew we had a new orleans crew that started we had our french crew in paris so you know managing three crews and then going and then france was wrapping as we're going to the dominican and the dominican we had a crew there of locals as well and so we're still dealing with like the tail end of France while we're onto the Dominican. While then we have another crew, more of a crew starting in New Orleans. And so it's like then you wrap one out and go to the next and then start the next. So then after New Orleans, we went to Chicago. And then we finished in LA, but it was a very small crew. It was myself and two customers. But that was pretty much the biggest challenge. I mean, I'm grateful that I've had experience traveling. <laughs> uh <laughs> think that was really huge. And I had a great team in in every place. I had a great team, but just staying on top of that time zone changes, shipping, um, making sure that we had everything that we needed for like aging or dying, um, and then enough time to do so and alterations. But yeah, that was, that was a feat in itself of just like staying on top of making sure that, you are giving everyone, you know, tasks t- that need to be completed and everybody stays like moving. There was never a standstill time at all. And mm-hmm. everyone tells you that movies move so much slower than TV. And I've always done a lot of t- worked on a lot of TV. So TV moves really, really fast. And so you're just always looking towards the next day, like fittings, etc. Um, and doing the next ep, you know, prepping the next episode while you're shooting one episode. And so this really felt kind of like episodic TV because we moved so fast. There was no time to, to kind of just like, Oh, I can take a breath now. Like there was none of that until the last day of shooting.
0: And what's the, I mean, just the nugget that you take away, um, from working on this particular project, whether it's a, I mean, a, a lesson, mm-hmm. a a a memory I mean obviously you take away memories but I mean it's like what is what is something that will carry on in terms of what you take to your next film set or your next tv
1: preparation Mm -hmm. yeah the prep for David is probably the hardest part of the film getting to shooting is you know I think also he has said this before like when you're shooting, like, you just have to have everything ready and everything should be there. It should already be prepped. You you shouldn't even have to worry about what's going on on the set because it's already been thought of, you know, before. Obviously, you have to have someone who's really diligent on the set. But, um, yeah, I think preparation. I think preparation really kept the ball moving, is constantly just, like, looking ahead and being prepared for whatever was going to come our way that was so important. Um, And I think, you know, working with David, it's like a masterclass on film. Like he knows everyone's position. He knows what every single person from the set PA to the costumer to like the caterer should be doing. Like he knows everything. So he knows when things should be coming to him. He knows like when he should be able to like give approvals for something. So you have to stay on top of it so that he never comes to you and is asking for something. You always wanna try to be a step ahead. He's probably gonna already be there in his mind, but if you can (laughs) scurry up and get there, like that's so important. And I think going forward, like I will know to always just kind of like stay ahead of the game as much as I can. It's so helpful.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode. This podcast was hosted and produced by yours truly, Jackson Vickery. But a very special thank you to Sterling Gavinsky for the theme music and to Carly Haney for the artwork. We will see you next time.